Welcome to Freelance Sucks. Here we discuss the dark side of freelancing about which nobody usually talks out loud. In this show, we speak with experienced freelancers and I'm sure listening to their stories helps you prepare to freelancers' challenges. My name is Yuri. I'm a community builder at Code Control and 9am.works. And my guest is Alessandro Pedori, a highly experienced AI NLP engineer whose professional journey started in the 2000s when he was the first person he knew who lost their job to machines and is now committed to helping people be the best version of themselves they want to be. So, welcome, Alessandro. Thank you. For you, let's start with the first question. So, for you, what is the most challenging part of being a freelancer? Can I can I say three? With the most, I mean, I I I start this sort of routine, listening to things and trying to find the most. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm st- uh, I wouldn't know. I can can I give you three uh, three ones? Okay, thank you. Exactly. Uh, so uh, I mean, uh, being in AI now, uh, or if you want the, the the hardest in AI when you don't have when you're a freelancer and you don't have a project manager between you and a customer is the customer wanting a magic wand and uh, not realizing that uh, and that was already bad a few years ago when ai was was machine learning but like okay i have three documents and a piece of used chewing gum extracting information from that and i am uh, yeah well do you have ten thousand label documents please like no that would cost money yes i know um do you want me to do it i'm more expensive than the labelers uh I, i'm an ai engineer and now with ChatGPT, like yeah just like ask the thing to do stuff and it will be smart like yeah, yes and i have to string things around so they want the magic wand and you just have a tool uh um so that's terrible usually and uh, similar to that is people arriving with their idea and you spend one or two hours talking with them and you end up describing why the idea can't work and no one pays me for the time that i i spend crushing people's dreams i yeah. have been looking for way way to monetize that and i've been told actually working for uh venture capital so i'm i mean i mean i had a few conversations but yeah one day i will get the dream job of destroying people's dreams and, and projects for fun and profit and uh and sometimes downtime i mean like uh being uh, i like having short one of the reasons i love being a freelancer is having uh, one to three month project when you learn something new and you build the stuff and it works well enough and then maintenance is someone else's problem uh and I, there is a new thing to learn and sometimes uh i mean i you either have too many projects that you can't do or you have nothing for uh, a few months line that i mean i like having downtime and doing going traveling but you know sometimes if there is an event flow that is slightly and maybe lastly is the over i mean in ai the, the ridiculous amount of new things to learn like i am a working engineer and i never knew that i would spend like probably 20 to 30 percent of my time reading a new a newly published papers and the other day i was writing to a client like wow there is this uh technique that is not that new it's one month old that i could apply and i'm like like I think there are still plumbers. Like there are people that say this technique has been working for the last 50 years and we use it. Like for me, like, oh my God, I haven't caught up with the technique from two months ago. I'm so outdated. And it's like, you know, that's good. I could, I would be happy to get a break. (laughs) From your perspective, um, what time some new technique or methodology has to be in the world to be relatable so we can rely on it 
Ah, it, it depends. I mean, I, I would I would have said. I mean, even in uh, uh, AI, I was waiting a couple of years. I mean, even in programming, I mean, you want. I mean, you want at least a few people to try something and uh, get some edges. I mean, uh, now with the GPT, I find it like two months until people start using a tool that is, but it's too fast. I mean, you you need to follow people that are so early adopted that use something, but they also don't have the attention span of a butterfly on math. So they stay on the tool until they like uh, shave off some edges. So I... Good question. I mean, on, on on a society level, I mean, we are starting to learn how to adapt to social media and that we started having it in 2000, end of the 2000s. So we are 15 years in and we start having an idea of how to properly use this stuff, maybe. Uh, programming, I mean, I think most of the tools that I use are from the last 10 years. I mean, my favorite language is Python, 25 year old, but it changed a lot. So uh, it it depends, but at least having had, I mean, I I prefer, I mean, when I decide, I'm an engineer, not an artist or not a scientist. So I like build me a bridge. I ask people like, can you show me a couple of bridges that stay up? I don't need many, but it, at least a couple that stay up and a couple that went down and I can compare. And the artist will think like, I want to build a bridge made of thin air. Like, that's great. Like, sounds like great insulation. And the scientists will do other research and maybe in 10 years we'll have an idea of a better bridge. And so I feel like I would I want to see examples of things how they work. Mm -hmm. And so at least that's also what ChatGPT kind of like blew my mind for a few months. Like uh, to me, like okay. And then I started seeing people that I trust using it and finding way. And then I had a few projects where I could try to use it. And I'm like, okay, okay. And I'm beginning to see what skills I'm bringing to the table that are useful and what skills are became suddenly useless. And uh, so enough time to see examples and to see real world like uh before in ai like i mean i've been people asking me to do chatbots for forever and i'm like you don't want a chat and now it's actually like okay chat interface can work for some things it's still a bit like so yeah it depends that's a typical <laughs> engineering answer like okay got it got it and as a freelancer what is the most time consuming thing you must deal with It depends again. <laughs> what is the most time consuming? I mean, depending what we define that above all, if it's a big organization, the starting of a project, usually from when from when they consider you to when you start and when they actually have figured out the onboarding, it can be even one month in which you're not sure when the project will start, so you can take another project. And it's a bit this weird uh, and um and if not, I mean, even in, I mean, since I'm an engineer and not a data scientist, the most time consuming is packet. I mean, once you have solved the problem, packaging in a way that is doesn't explode uh, if you sneeze, uh, that usually takes time, time, and time, much time. I'm, I'm there now for two projects that they're like, okay, this kind of works. So now let's, let's make it a product. Like, okay, now the real work starts. Like the, the fun part is done. Now, now it's actually engineering and tests and deployment and all that kind of stuff. So if you want all of the fiddly bit that changes, that differentiates you from a high school programmer and uh, but uh, an engineer is all of the politics of the most time. 
And what is the most nerve-consuming thing? Um, client giving you a hard deadline and not hearing that uh, you have five proof of concepts lined up and each each of single problem you know it can be solved and like okay then now for next Monday create a demo and like wait uh, or uh, or again people going back to having wanted the magic wand and thinking that uh, well it's AI right it's like yes and so why if the AI can do it why are you paying me a lot of money to do it possibly there is some hard work so yeah I mean I I like solving problems so having clients with their unreasonable expectations or disappointing people or having to say no i can't do this or i can't do this yet or it will take longer i really don't like i don't really like it i like i like i like saying oh yeah group yeah let me let me do it it's done instead of like oh it's difficult or this is taking longer than expected and so on so that i heard different things from different freelancers so sometimes people like if clients say something and you like have proof of concept that it won't work or we have to deal with it some people are like okay they pay me for this i won't ask questions i will just do whatever they want and other people okay they pay me for this but it makes no sense i will talk to them like let's let's find things out so what is your approach i mean i would say that the, the more senior you become the more you want to do the second i mean for sure i have uh, and if it depends who is your customer i mean i i mean I have a big mouth, so I always say like, this makes no sense, why? And then there is a moment where like, okay, look, I am an engineer, I don't understand the business model, this, uh, or I mean, this will uh, work, but the, I mean, still like, when I, I try to find out both what is doable, I mean, I, I, when I teach either programmers or social skills, I mean, this idea of triaging and finding like, you, you want to start solving the problem that will give 80% of what uh, is done with 20% of the effort and finding what they really want. And, um, but it it is a longer process in the pen. I mean, some clients don't, uh, are not open to listening. And usually, I mean, by now I try even not to work with them. So it's, I mean, I don't need it. Yeah, I don't need a headache, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, delivering something, yeah, that's what I asked you, but it's not what I needed. Uh, people will not be happy. Maybe they will pay you for what you did because they pay you by the hour, but they will not, uh, they will for sure not uh, recommend you to others or they won't be happy about having worked with you. And for sure, there are a few people in the past that have not been happy to work with me. I mean, there's one project I remember in which like, they wanted something completely useless. We talked about it. I had some other people in the middle, so I was hired by consultants. We built it, technically it was great, for a user was completely useless. They threw like a thousand euros on the drain. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a big chunk of those 60,000 euros and I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know what to do about that, but I, I haven't been in that situation after that. As a freelancer, do you ever feel professional loneliness? Professional? Loneliness. <sighs> hmm. I mean, sometime when I, I mean, in the last two years, I got high enough in my skill set that I started looking, I mean, even joining specialized Slack groups or places to ask for advice and they could find the advice I got, what I had already tried because I do try my things before asking for help. 
so that um, I mean, I have enough freelancers around. Some are even ex students or people I work with. Uh, and most of my, I mean, generally most of the programmers I end up liking are the weirdos that like what they're doing and they build things for fun and tend to be either freelancing or um, entrepreneurs or whatever. So, and there are meetups. So, not really. And, um, you cracked this code. Not really. I mean, I want to do organize more. I mean, I have this dream meetup that I want to organize at least at least once. It is like coding over 40, but I've been uh, or IT over 40. But I've been talking about that for so long that soon I will have to do the uh, IT over 50. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so there is a bit of this also. Mostly they're like, hey, is it really a young person game? And then now I'm, I'm meeting more and more very skilled people in my age range or older. So there is a, it's a different game with more social skills. But, um, you know, I mean, uh, I find, uh, I mean, actually, I mean, programming is this, this weird place where uh, programmers tend to, I mean, we are the only uh, industry that organize conferences for fun. Like uh, normal other industry, they have the commercial conference, the academic conferences, and then you have people into science fiction, and they're like organizing a convention. And we have uh, Python, uh, I mean, the Python convention, they have the PyData convention. We have all of the things that like uh, you, you meet other programmers because we, we find this stuff fun. Yeah, and exactly. so it's easy to find. And then it's, it's interesting to be, to meet the different people. The people are like, oh, I do this because it's a well paid job. And I'm like, okay. And there are people like, wow, I've done this thing or this doesn't work. And we tend to be very opinionated and a pain in the neck, like make me use a programming language I don't like and see how. How much of a happy programmer I am, but uh, so no, you, it's easy to find uh, programmers and uh, that like, and they often are freelancers because you get to a certain level of skill, and then you yeah. you, you do like, okay, I can do that. Got it, uh, Alessandro. If your friend wanted hmm. to become a freelancer, what hmm. are top three things you'd advise them to consider before doing it? Hmm. I mean, I I've, I talked with to, with a few people to do that, so it's not. I mean, I, with several friends uh, doing that, like depending on their career level. I mean, you should be at least uh, mid or senior, so have enough, like get enough a few years of experience in companies. Because as a freelancer, a client will not pay you to learn on the job. I mean, a, a few things like if you know ninety percent, that are the ten missing percent, you can, but that's it. Uh, being okay with the uncertainty, like if you want the safe job and contribution and that kind of things, um, that's not for you. Let mm. like a third one. So to treat thing to consider. I mean, one is how to get there and then having some level of presence. The other one is knowing that there are these different trade-offs. And uh, also when you do it, I mean, knowing, at least in my experience, that the first year will be wobbly and it will take a few time to enter agencies, uh, get some clients, get some visibility. And um, and knowing that, I mean, if, if you really need the money that you're earning from a stable job, uh, you have to ask rates for more than double that because there will be downtime there will be your own taxes your own things uh but that's i mean that's in every uh in every situation and it depends like i 
mostly, I mean, you talk with people, people that like new challenges a lot and they want to do new things and to have some independence and that if they have three months downtime, they're like, yay, great, I'm going to Bali. Uh, that people are like, okay, consider freelancing because that would work for you. And the people that are like, you know, I want my paycheck, I want to socialize with my, with my colleagues and I like... Uh, uh like reliability and things that uh, repeat similarly like me can't uh, <laughs> but I, i'm thinking about freelancing because it looks like it pays more like i'm not sure it's gonna be worth a headache for you like yeah, uh, exactly so mm, yeah talk with a few freelancers and see if they their mindset or their headaches are things like you see when you ask me for challenges like uh, yeah that's a challenge and I'm, I'm okay with that like you know yeah. I, I i i pay the ticket to entry and um, so checking if that works with you with this certain level of uncertainty and dynamics. You know, Alessandro, I wish to have the sky as the limit, but time is the limit. So the final question, cool. if you are starting freelancing today, what is one thing you would have done differently? <laughs> Hardest question. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I mean, like, if I would do it differently, why wouldn't I do it now? Uh, so to starting differently, huh? Uh, I mean, I think it would be much easier because since I always want to be in data science, uh, now AI in data science is a bit uh, productified. Like uh, 10 years ago, data science was just in in-house and people wanted apps and websites that I didn't want to build. Um, what would I do differently? I don't know. <laughs> hmm. uh, sorry, I, I, apparently I, I'm able to have questions that I don't know. I, uh, I mean, it's, exactly. it's, it's, and it's also an answer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but my career has been incredibly meandering. So like, if I go back, anything I would do, I mean, once I understood how to do things, I would, instead of, I mean, you know, if you go like this, once, oh, I wanted to write here, you can go straight, but there is nothing I can go back. I mean, as long as I wasn't sure that here was where I wanted to go, is a bit uh, difficult. Yeah, now I'm realizing that if there are people uh, only hearing this, they will not uh, see me moving my hands. I'm Italian. Um, so, good questions. I don't have an answer. Uh, Got it. It's also an answer. So, Alessandro, thank you very much for sharing you. your it's challenges, fun. for sharing your experience, and see you in the tech world. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thank you. And thank you so much for listening. If you liked our conversation, hit the like button on five stars and share it with your friends. That's it. We're done. See you in the next episode.